Welcome into NHL at the rink, back in the comfy confines of Studio 12 after a great weekend in St. Louis. As always, Dan Rosen here, Sean Rourke to my right. Sean, happy to be back. Always. So office, this is the place, man. This yeah. is where it all happens. This is where the magic happens, and there's so much going on. We, we're going to have Tom Galitti, uh, who covers the Washington Capitals for us, was in St. Louis with us. He'll be on the show today. We talked to two goalies in St. Louis, Freddie Anderson from the Toronto Maple Leafs and Jacob Markstrom from the Vancouver Canucks. But before we get to that, there's lots of news. Trade deadline coming into focus here. A little less than four weeks away now, but front and center. We got the Battle of Alberta coming up Wednesday night. You excited? I am excited. When's the last time we've been excited about it? It's been dormant for a long yeah. time. A lot of other rivalries in this league, including one that didn't even exist for a long time in, in uh, Vegas and San Jose, took precedence over it. But it, it's back. And you know what they needed? They needed some personality to bring it back. It. And both teams are in the playoffs. You need to be playing for something. And when you play with so for something, your emotions run higher. You, you, you're more desperate. And that leads to what we've seen in the last the last time they met, which was right before the All-Star game. And none of that's gone away. No, it obviously hasn't. So obviously you've got the Matthew Kachuk and the Zach Cassian angle there from the previous meeting. You've got Leon Dreisaitl inserting himself before All-Star saying he'd get off the ice if Matthew Kachuk went on the ice. Well, that didn't happen. Matthew Kachuk got on the ice. Leon Dreisaitl was on the ice. And then Matthew Kachuk sets up Leon Dreisaitl for a goal for the Pacific Division. And then they don't even look at each other after. And one of them he may have skated, muttered something. He skated off. Matthew skated off. He was like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> well, I think it's great, though. Don't you? Like, I, yeah. like let's not. Th this is real. Like, this is how these guys are feeling. Yeah, okay. They're, they're competitors, and that's what it comes down to. But they're not going to put aside this rivalry just because they're playing in an all-star game. They're not going to turn off who they are just to it's an all-star game. That was real. They, these two guys right now at the present time certainly look like they don't like each other at all. No, and the fans love it because you know what? The fans don't like each other. Yeah. They want the players to feel that way. They want, the play, they want it to mean something. They want the players to have their backs in this rivalry, yeah. right? And I think the Calgary Flames know that Matthew has their backs. Absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, look, you saw it the other night. We're recording this Tuesday. By the way, the Flames are going to play the St. Louis Blues Tuesday night before playing the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday and then again on Saturday. So it's it's going to get a couple of great couple of days in the Battle of Alberta. But we saw, like we talk about the Kachuk brothers, it's not just Matthew, Brady Kachuk. It, they, they were front and center All-Star weekend with Brady and Matthew both being from St. Louis playing in the All-Star game. And then first game back, Brady Kachuk goes out and he fights P.K. Subban, handled himself quite well, by the way, against P.K. Subban. This is who they are. This is the Kachuk brothers. They get under your skin. And I think it's very clear that Matthew Kachuk has found his way under the Edmonton Oilers' skin. Yeah, and they have personality. In order to hate somebody, you have to care about them first. <laughs> right? If you don't care about them, go. Right, you I just let them go. Who yeah, cares? Right? You're, you're not bothering me. It doesn't matter, right? They have to engender something first before you're like, oh, I can't stand that guy. <laughs> people can't stand them, but they can't stand them because they're good and because they know how to make people crazy. To me, they're a lot like Claude Lemieux. Claude Lemieux right. used to be able to make people crazy, and then he'd back it up by scoring goals, by doing, by taking, getting other people to take penalties that they scored on the power play, and would just look at you in a way that you just wanted to be like, I can't stand that guy. Teams loved him. Everybody wanted to have him. Yeah, you want him on your team. 
you hate playing against him. It's funny you mentioned Claude Lemieux. Brendan Lemieux is that way too. He doesn't score as much, not yet in his career, but he's got that feistiness. I think every team needs a player like that. I really do. I think if you don't have one, it's a big missing ingredient. You know when you need him? On a sleepy Tuesday night when you've traveled yep. the night before and everybody's got dead legs. They'll wake you up. And then somebody goes out there and does something like that and all of a sudden the whole team's like, hey, we got to follow this lead. This guy's putting it out there for us. Let's go. So you got the Battle of Alberta, and that's we're certainly excited about that. But the team that the Flames are playing Tuesday night as we record this, the, the Blues – They've lost three in a row, uh, bleeding a little bit, lost three to one against Vancouver. Tough go. I mean, you think about it. They, they're they on the road. They host All-Star Weekend. They got a bunch of their guys there. Then they got to go to Vancouver, then Calgary on a back-to-back. Tough spot for the Blues, but interesting time, I think, as well for the Blues. We we both agree, I would imagine, Sean, that they're locked in, right? I mean, you, you would say that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're locked in. But Doug Armstrong, their general manager, comes out, Monday and says Vladimir Tarasenko, who had shoulder surgery in late October, could be out until mid to late April, which would put him out until the playoffs begin. Well, what does that do? That opens up the potential to use the long-term injured reserve relief money, so to speak, the cap relief. They can go over it by that amount. Now, all of a sudden, they're a player at the trade deadline. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not in any way suggesting nefarious activities here, but no. do, you, do you think if they were in Nashville's position that that timeline would be that conservative? I think no. it might be a little well, a little faster. Maybe, but if he's legitimately out, and and look, I mean, there's circumvention issues here that would come into play if he's not, right? So, But if he's legitimately out and cannot return, and remember this happened with Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks a number of years ago, they're saying late April. I mean, the, the timeline was five months. It's his rehab. He's skating, but he's not doing much else, right? And we're almost in February. If he's legitimately out, they can go. I think they become the player for Chris Kreider. They become the team that can go out if the Rangers are going to trade Chris Kreider. And I'm not sold 100% that they're going to just yet. But they all of a sudden become the team, I think, that would make the biggest play. They've got the draft capital to go out and get them. They, if it's not a first-round pick, they've got a couple of prospects too, or you know, Clem Costin, Jordan Cairo, those types of players that could be of interest to the Rangers. And man, you put Chris Kreider on that team, play him on the left side, Ryan O'Reilly in the middle, and David Perron on the right. Good luck. Yeah, and and look, they're built for now. Yeah, and, and they amazingly they won the cup. They're maybe in the top three teams this year, they don't have any issues really going into next year. All their big guys on Seth Petrangelo and Bo Meester are signed. Well, the Petro one's big. I mean, that's a big one. It is, but you can lose them. But they're not they're not they're trading them. We know that. No, no, but you yeah. could lose them. They're still deep on the blue yeah. line. You could survive that. Their window in no way is closing. They have a young goaltender who is quickly carving himself out to be one of the most elite goaltenders in this the league. He's got confidence, huh? Oh my God, he was unbelievable <laughs> at All Star Game. But and he's driven. Like yeah. he, you don't, if you're Doug Armstrong, you don't have to worry about him resting on his laurels. No, he's everything is a slight against him. He wants to be better than he was the last day. So you have that. You still have a deep D, right? It goes four, five deep, and. and you're nine deep forwards, plus you got two or three young kids just scratching to get in and they can't make it. And you have Tarasenko coming back, hopefully healthy for next year, no matter what happens this right. year. Their window, this is to me, is like the Penguins when they were at their prime a couple of years ago where you could see three, four, five long runs in a row. 
The Tarasenko thing scares me a little bit because it's the second time in about a year and a half he's had an operation done on the left shoulder. So that also might be part of the reason why his rehab is taking a little bit longer than they originally suggested it would because, look, I mean, you have one, it's going to take you a while to come back. Two, that, that, you know, now you're running into issues that you don't necessarily want to run into. So that also could be slowing it down. But, uh, look, I mean, they're loaded. We know that. And now imagine if he comes back. If, he, if in the middle of the first round of the playoffs, Tarasenko is able to come back, and now you've got the problem, well, where do we slot Vladimir Tarasenko? Because we've got Chris Kreider. I mean, like, this is a, they're in a great position right now. Unfortunate, because they'd certainly rather have Tarasenko in the lineup. Let's not get ourselves. But considering the alternative right now, I mean, they're in a, pretty, they're in a great position. Yeah, and a lot of guys have gotten a lot of quality minutes that yeah. they might not have gotten. So the team they lost to Monday night, the Vancouver Canucks, first in the Pacific Division, up three points in the other four teams right now that are tied with wow, 57. A lot, of, a lot of breathing room. Yeah, right. Well, For the Pacific, it look, is. Look, the Vancouver Canucks have won three in a row and five of six since they got swept in Florida by the Panthers and got crushed by the Lightning in Tampa Bay. And they're 12-3, and 12-3-0 since December 19th. I'm starting to believe that they might be a, for real. Haven't they won nine in a row at home, too? Yeah, they, they're, they're really good at home. They, they, and you look at the depth, okay? So in this 15-game span where they're 12-3-0, I've done my research, by the way, all right, as you can tell here, they've got Bo Horvat, Elias Pettersson, and JT Miller each have 17 points. Tanner Pearson's got 16. Jake Furtanen has 13, and Brock Besser has 11. They've got balanced scoring, not one guy just carrying them. And Jacob Markstrom, our first guest, he's 9-2 with a 9-19 save percentage. Yeah, look – They've been building for years. I think I think Travis Green's a really good coach. Every year they've taken a step with him. He's coached all these guys in Utica, their their AHL affiliate. So I think they're ready. It's going to be on Markstrom to yeah. play as well as he has. Demko played last night because of the All-Star game and the travel back was very good, uh, You know, especially in that spot. If you can start to count on him to win – two out of every three games he plays, then maybe you can start gaining some ground on those teams in the Pacific coming up behind you. So they're going to be interesting, but what do you do as the GM of that team? Do you bring in a veteran? You already made your move for JT Miller. Like that was the move that you were going to make. Now do you say the rebuild's over? We're here. Look, the Pacific's wide open. If we get in, what do, you know? What kind of damage can we do? Do I start to maybe mortgage a little of that future I've built up? No, I, I'd be careful there. I really would be. I, I think that they're in a good position right now. If it's the right situation, if it's the and I don't. I can't tell you exactly what that would be right now with Vancouver, but if it's if if Jim Benning, their general manager, finds somebody who would fit but doesn't require too much, doesn't mortgage any other you know any other prospects or future draft picks that they really could use because they're they're ahead of the we, they've been doing this for a long time, but I think we both they're not in the St. Louis class at all. They're they're probably not in the Colorado class at at this point, but they're approaching that. But you can't get rid of it for too long. And then they also have to still sign Markstrom too. Let's not forget. I mean, if they're they're talking about signing Jacob Markstrom too. Yeah. But look, we've learned now, especially if you get the right draw, you can find yourself in the conference final with one yep. series win, right? If if you win the Pacific, you draw one of those wild card teams and then you get a banged up team in the second round and the next thing you know, you're in the Western Conference final. It, it's got to be tempting. 
Well, enough banding about. Let's let's go right to the interview. We did it with Jacob Markstrom during All-Star Weekend in St. Louis. We talked about the Canucks and himself and, and what's going on. So here's that interview with Jacob Markstrom. Let's jump right to it. There's obviously been news about you and contract talk with Vancouver. What can you say? What can you update us on? Anything result, you know, about the negotiations and wanting to stay there? Uh, well, I can't really say much to be honest. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm just focusing on playing hockey right now, and you know all my uh, focus and, and thoughts goes goes into preparing and winning hockey games. But why has Vancouver been good to you? Like the the city, the team. Why has that been a fit for you? Uh, I feel like from the first day I got there, uh, Henrik and Daniel Sedin really you know took me under under their wing, and you know Alex Edler. And just to watch it, like they didn't have to say anything. Just watching them every day, it's you know, it's impressive how professional you know each day, every morning, every day, you know, every time they laced laced on the skates, how how professional they were. And you know, for me, that was kind of a wake up call. All right, that's you know, <laughs> similar like that to be successful here. And you know, you kind of bear down, and you know, you put your head down, and and you start working. And it, it's been taking a couple of years, but. Obviously, the city is amazing, beautiful city, and uh, you know it, it's fun to be. You know, as of now, it's you. You want to be successful in that town. You said it took a couple of years, and it did, and now you're number one in Vancouver. But what was that journey like? Was the was there a lot of frustration as like kind of peaks and valleys came along? Uh, yeah, it's always going to be peaks and valleys, and uh, what I feel uh, I've been better at the last you know two three years is to kind of make them. Make the, make them shorter. The valley, uh, the valley is shorter, and you know the peaks longer. That's you know the mangle. That's what you're still trying to work on every day. Is your path almost for a goaltender? We don't we don't see goalies come in. That happens sometimes, but especially even their high picks, they don't always come in and just take the league by storm. It sometimes takes a while. Is is your path almost? I don't want to say the right path, but the you know the path that you you expect to take at times. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it, it's so hard. You know, for goalies, it's so different. I right. feel like than players. And like you said, too, you can't really play, you know, okay, let's get them in, play 8 to 12 minutes a game. And, and all the third game. line, yeah. you, you know, you got to play all game. And, you know, it's tough. Like, it hasn't been that many goalies. And, you know, it's super impressive. And, you know, Carter Hart is, uh, you know, I'm really impressed with him and his performance uh, this year to come in that young and, and, and do what he's doing right now. I feel is impressive. But for every guy like that, there's a Bennington, right? That took a long time to get there. So I think more than any other position, it is different for every goalie. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, it's not really framed when this is the right way, this is the wrong way. For me personally, I thought it was, you know, obviously great to instead of play maybe ten, ten, twenty games in, in you know in the NHL to play maybe you know forty and fifty in, in the minors to kind of get you know what are north american hockey all about and you know to to play hockey games that's yeah. the best way to learn you you touched on it a little bit it sounded like with your mindset when you got to vancouver how that changed because you saw the sedines and their professionalism how they work positionally uh physically what if anything changed for you and that made you go from a guy who was toggling between the minors in the nhl to sort of being a backup to now being a guy who plays 60 plus games uh I mean, coming to Vancouver too, uh, Roly Melanson, the goalie coach, yeah, work hard kind of guy, and uh, you know, f f to getting traded too, it's you know, it's never easy, and you know, it's kind of a wake up call too. You're, you're like, you know, 
you can be out of here quick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get traded. We don't want you. Yeah. You know, that's what they're Is that they're how you took or, it? That trade? Well, it, it kind of, you know, yeah, you take it personal. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we want this guy instead. We don't need you. We don't want you. So, yeah. so I took kind of that and boiled it inside and, you know, got to work. And it's, uh, you know, it really helped me with the role to to kind of work hard. And, and then Dan Cluthier came in and, you know, super awesome guy, great goal coach and helped me a lot with the mental. And then now Ian Clark, who's, you know, he's amazing. Yeah, he's got a pretty, Ian's got a pretty good track record with goalies. Yeah, he's awesome. He's amazing. Um, let's talk about the Canucks a little bit. Toggling right around first place all year, having a year maybe that you guys expected that a lot of people maybe didn't expect, but there's no separation. It's it's one point between five teams. Do you wake up and look at the standings and go, Oh my god, when when are we gonna pull away here? We keep winning. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's crazy. Obviously it's you know, you lose two games in a row and you're you know outside the playoffs and then you win two in a row and you're first in the <laughs> so it's like you can't really you can't wake up every morning and look at it you gotta you know focus on winning doing your job and winning hockey games and you gotta string games together because it's always going to be a team who's going to be winning yeah i'd wake up and look at it every day you're telling me you don't no you don't really it's even though you know like each result matters so much that that like you would I don't know, maybe you don't care what edmonton yeah. did the night yeah. before What's that? You don't care what Edmonton or I mean, Arizona if, did the night if before? If we win, it you doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> if we're ahead of them and they win, yeah. if we win, I'd, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Did you expect to be in the position you're in with the Vancouver Canucks? Like, we're at the All-Star break. You're 58 points in first place in division. Now there's four teams with 57 points. But did you expect to be in the, that position? Because like Sean said before, I don't know that a lot of people did expect that from Vancouver. Yeah, I'm not – like, I can't say I'm surprised. Obviously, you know, I, you know – Last year too, I, I thought we would would have been better than than we were. We weren't that successful as we wanted to, and and then uh, you know this year, uh, you know we're, it's a fun group. Everybody's having fun. We come to the rink and enjoying each other's company. We go on the road. You know, a lot of guys go to dinner together, and uh, you know it's a tight knit group. And uh, I'm, uh, you know, I can't stress it enough that you know it doesn't really matter what you've done to this this point. We we gave ourselves a chance. We put ourselves in a good position but you know you you got to finish strong i gotta i gotta ask you about a teammate you talked about the sedines a little earlier you got a pretty special suite on your team right now in Pedersen. what impresses you about him and is there a piece of him that reminds you of the sedines uh i don't know they're the northern swedish swedish people that you know they're both that are not super talkative but uh you know obviously you know elias has you know his start of his career is super impressive and uh he's been uh you know from the first game uh calgary at home i think when he scored a goal and he just been keep going and you know guys were a little bit off oh, second year is going to be you know the second year slump or whatever yeah. you guys uh the reporters call it call it but uh you know he's keep proving people wrong and he you know he's he loves doing it too <laughs> so he doesn't does he talk more with you guys than he does maybe with the media you said he's a quiet guy he's very quiet around the media is he with the team or is he a little more has he grown more into being a part of everything no i mean he's he's always been a part of it i feel like you know he's a happy guy but it's not a, a super social guy he's he's more kind of you know keep to himself and I feel like, uh, you know, obviously he puts a lot of pressure on himself and he want to perform and he want to do good. So super focused person. And, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to the rink, it's, it's work. For you, one last one just about you. I think you're 29 now. You'll be 30 
soon january was it 31st right well, I, know, I have no clue what you're talking yeah, about yeah, that's all right <laughs> he doesn't look at the calendar yeah. either. <laughs> you, you start to age backwards at 32 yeah so 28 yeah. again in a year yeah right? 28 <laughs> uh are you at your best do you think you're at your best right now no no there's more yes how do you get there work yeah yeah just keep go keep going don't you know can't be satisfied that's like when you're satisfied and kind of take a breath and sit down, lean back, put your feet up. Mm. That's kind of when you know you're, that's what I feel like. If I do that, it's, I, I need to have a fire. There's Jacob Markstrom and, and Sean. Clearly Jacob is a, is a goaltender who does not believe he's anywhere close to what he believes he could be or should be in the national hockey league, which says something about him, I think. Yeah. Well, a, it says that he's still driven and B, history proves it right not every goalie comes in not every goalie like he said in that interview is going to be Carter Hart and come in at right. 19 years old and take the league by storm or Martin Brodeur some are going to be Jordan Benetton some are going to take a while to find their way it, you know it, it's it's the hardship that makes the happiness all the much better there's my little piece of philosophy for the day I don't know who said that first but I'm going to take credit for it <laughs> I, I think I butchered it to the point I could claim it as my own I gotta be honest, I also thought like you know I thought he was a bust I thought he was going to be a bust and I thought when Florida got rid of him it was like okay that's it he goes to Vancouver and then he's sort of toiling around I, I just a first first round bust was what I thought of Jacob Markstrom until about a year and a half two years ago I guess well a, I think he knew that, and that's why he was so stern with you. Right. <laughs> and B, uh, Ian, let's give Ian Clark some credit. He's yeah. turned around some pretty good goalies in his career as the goalie coach in Vancouver. So uh, I think, you know, he's finally gotten the instruction, and he's grown up, and he, he's found out what his game is and how to tailor it to what's going to be advantageous to him. And he has an organization that believes in him. Those are three very important things and for I think, a goalie. And I think they'll sign him. I think they'll get him done. You know, I mean, he, he doesn't sound too worried about it at all. No, I don't. I, I'm curious how long a deal it would be because Thatcher Demko's coming up behind him. And he, by all accounts, he's the goalie of the future. And he's already toiled for a few years in Utica. And now as a backup, you're looking almost at a Luongo situation again late in that contract. Yeah, well, it can't be too long of a deal. So that's one. Let's move on. Let's uh, bounce up to the Nashville Predators because I thought it was very interesting. Monday, Matt Duchesne says the Predators can make the playoffs and they don't need any assistance from general manager David Poyle to do so. And then they went out and lost 5-2 to two against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Look, I I think very highly of Matt Duchesne. And, I, and you look up and down the roster of the Predators and I think that they have players, but I think Matt Duchesne is wrong. I, just, I don't see it from Nashville this season. Well, David Poyle's heard this song before, right? The team's come and told him we don't need help, and he listened, and it didn't work out didn't very work out. well. Yeah. Um, he's not going to listen to Matthew Shane on that. I mean, if the deal makes sense, he's going to go out and make the deal if he thinks it's going to happen. Yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, to a degree, I think Matthew Shane's right. I, I think that team's talented enough. They need better goaltending. They need either Pekka, Rene, or, or UC Soros to find his way and turn in league average goaltending, right? That's going to be the first step. Nick Benino's their best forward right now. But he has they, been they, I know, and that much all, season. all season. That can't be, so somebody's going to have to put it together. They get Ryan Ellis back. Look, we talk all the time, ever since it happened, about who's the St. Louis Blues. The Nashville Predators are St. Louis Blues. Wait, let me just tell you one thing. As of this day, right now, when we're taping on Tuesday, January 28th, the St. Louis Blues had 49 points 
last year yeah. on 128. The Nashville Predators. But they were starting to peak. The Nashville, they were peaking at the The Nashville Predators there. have 51 points on the same day and have a loaded re- roster that's been through a couple of playoff runs. To me, they are, they are the team that most mirrors what we're wondering. They need a goaltender to step up. It was Bennington. I don't know who it's going to be on Nashville. They have the deep D when Ryan Ellis gets healthy, and they can go three lines deep among their forwards. So I'm not saying that they – And they changed their coach. And <laughs> I'm, yeah, and they changed their coach. And I'm yeah. not saying they're the Blues, but if you – put a gun to my head and say which team most resembles the St. Louis Blues from last year and could pull off the same trick, it's the Nashville Predators. And I get that, and I understand and appreciate all that, but I think we have been all season looking at the Nashville Predators and saying, okay, they have enough, but clearly the mix is a little bit off. They're just a runaway. Where's that run coming from? Seven of their next nine games are on the road. They play the Capitals, the Jets, the Flames, the Oilers, the Canucks, and the Blues on the road. They're not better than any single one of those teams right now. Why do we think that they're all of a sudden going to beat all of them? Because they're pretty much going to have to. Did the Blues make a trade last year? The Blues did not make a trade last year. And then Doug Armstrong staff firm, and, and, and as he should. But they were peaking. Like, there's nothing that suggests Nashville is going to start peaking right now. They have not. They came out of the break. The time for them to get rolling they're at home. They got a team, the Leafs coming in. The Leafs had been struggling defensively, especially. And they lay an egg and lose five to two. Why? Why do I all of a sudden have to? Sh- why should I believe that Nashville's going to turn it around? You shouldn't believe, but you will eat crow. <laughs> all right, and maybe your hat <laughs> when the playoffs come and the Predators are. In. And it's interesting. By the way, they do have five picks in the first three rounds. So, if they wanted to be buyers, if they do get on a roll here, they wanted to be buyers. They certainly have the draft capital to do that. But I think they're going to be sellers. Well, we'll find out. Later this week, uh, Mike Seisberger, a regular guest here, was in Nashville for the game last night with Toronto. And uh, he's going to have a little sit-down with David Poilby on the site later this week. So maybe we'll get some insights. I don't think he's ever going to sell. I don't know that that's in David's DNA. He's got Craig Smith and Michael Granlin. Neither one of them are having great years. But if the Predators are out of it come the deadline, I think you do trade them because they're both unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. Granlin has not lived up to expectations. There, Anyway, that's enough on the West. All right, we've done a lot on the West. So let's we are not East Coast biased. We here are not East Coast biased. No way. But we're going to be East Coast biased right now. And we're going to welcome in Tom Galitti, who covers the Capitals for us. He, we're going to whip around the Metropolitan Division, do some Capitals talk. He is actually at Capitals practice right now. They're on the ice. Tom, how's practice? Oh, it's exciting. They're, <laughs> they're getting back to work. They had a big win last night in, uh, in Montreal without Alex Ovechkin and uh, – I guess I guess trying to get back in the rhythm of things after you know coming back from the break. So uh, full practice again today. So Alex Ovechkin, obviously a big topic of conversation in St. Louis at All Star Weekend, and not just his chase for 700 goals, which he's eight away from, but his chase to see if he can get to Wayne Gretzky's record of 894 goals. You you talked to Gretzky about this. What's Gretzky saying? Any anecdotes from that interview with Wayne Gretzky about what he thinks of Ovechkin and his pursuit of that record? He he thinks he has you know I think his term was you know real legitimate chance to to break the record and that uh, you know it's just a question of you know how long is he gonna gonna play and 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 Wayne you know he's pretty excited about it actually he he wants you know you know obviously he loves that he owns the record and he's proud of it but he, I think he'd really like to see Alex make a run at it and he'd like to and he says like he said he wants to be there uh, if he does when he does you know he wants he's, he's ready uh, angling to get on the capitals team plane so he can travel <laughs> along with them wherever they're going so 
you know, Wayne is thinking about this. Could be four or five years away, but he already has it in his mind about it, that he wants to be there because he, you know, the same thing when he was chasing down Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe was there, and I think he understood really the importance of that, and he'd like to, you know, do the same thing if if Alex actually gets that close and is chasing it down. Well, that'll be some plane ride. There'll be a lot of talent <laughs> yeah. on that plane. Yeah. We're gonna have to get yeah. you on that plane, Tom. Oh, that would be awesome! Yes. Gretzky angling to get on the team plane is just great. It's a, you know, it's just, it, but it's he still loves the game. He loves the game, and and he is yeah. so in tune with what's going on in the game too. But it wasn't just Gretzky. It's I know you've talked Tom to to so many people about Alex Ovechkin. What are some of the things, some of your takeaways that of the of everybody you're talking to about Ovechkin as he pursues the 700th goal, but but also more important, like we were just talking about, pursues Gretzky's record. I think what they see in him is that he just, you know, it, it sounds it sounds like cliche almost, but that he loves to score goals. Like who doesn't love to score? Goals? Right. <laughs> but you watch him score, and the way he celebrates when he scores, and what he celebrates when other people score. Like he just loves seeing the puck go into the net, and I think that that like excitement and that joy that he has is what is carrying him still here, and in, in, in a way, you know, that he's still be able to to perform at the level that he is in 34 goals this season and uh and you know teams in that go against him see that and they see you know also like you know that he's become a, a pretty complete player and and the work he's put in to to work at both ends of the ice and the stuff that's done the offseason is all paying off at 35 four years old you've covered him for a long time now do you see a difference in his shot at all we talked to some people over all-star and they're like look Ovi's going to get slower he's not going to be as physical but he's never going to lose that shot is the shot the same is it different in any way ah i I think it's the same like yeah like those the thing that Ovi has done the shot is still there but he's also kind of worked on doing you'll see him score some of the dirty goals where he used to be such a uh you know especially the first seven you know years of his career or six or seven years of his career was a exciting rush player and he'll still can create goals off the rush and score goals that way we saw one against the islanders last 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 week where he drove in that was pretty impressive but he does other things where he'll he'll be the guy in front of the net you know bowing for the rebound and jamming the puck in there where maybe that wasn't him before so he's kind of evolved in that way to continue to get other goals, get the dirty goals, and that's one of the things the Capitals kind of had to learn to learn over the years. And, you know, but to me, they have success in the playoffs to score that type of goal. But that shot is, you know, that's never going to abandon him. I don't think it. He's always going to have that. And I saw him a couple weeks ago when uh, when Ryan Zimmerman, the, the Washington Nationals first baseman, was here, and Ryan Zimmerman put on the bat, the pads and, and he wanted to stand <laughs> in there against Obi's one timer, and Obi was shooting at a half half speed still, and it still looked pretty impressive at half speed. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, he can. I bet you, like he'll he'll turn, uh, you know, sixty years old. He'll probably go out there. Like we saw the other day, Al McGinnis at the at the hardest shot. I bet you, we could go out there at whatever age and still uh, unleash a, a pretty good one timer when, when, years after he's done playing. And look, I mean, I get it. The shot's not going to go away. But I don't know about you guys. I, I just don't see him catching Gretzky. I, I, that's a lot of goals for a guy who's he can still score. But at some point, I think it is going to start falling off for him. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? No, I, I give him a look. If Wayne Gretzky gives him a, a legitimate chance, I give him a legitimate chance. Okay. I'm not going to go against the great one. Well, Gretzky's also not going to sit here and say, he's never going to catch my record. Why? If he believes that he would say nah, I don't know about that. What about you, Tom? Um, I think it's going to depend on how long he wants to play. I don't, I don't know like if he's going to, you know, if he wants to play home in Russia at some point and finish his career there, that sort of thing. Um, I think, Second place, eight oh eight oh two, getting one more than 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 Gordy Howe is is to me that that he's definitely going to do that, and then I think it's going to be 
him reassessing where he is from that point on. Where you know, right now he's at he's at six ninety two. He's still two hundred and two goals away from 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 <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. That's you know, that, you know, is he going to have four fifty goal seasons? That's the that's like probably the quickest he could do it. And so we're talking probably five or six years for him to still break that record. Five years at least, right? So that's five forty goal seasons. So I don't know. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if he plays that long. That takes him to thirty nine, you know, thirty nine forty. That's how long he's going to have to play for. So I think that's really the question to me. Do you get a sense in the conversations that you've had with Ovi how important the record is to him? Yes and no. I, I he sometimes downplays it. Sometimes, you know, says I like to do it, but like uh, he's really kind of hidden, you know, kind of guarded on stuff on talk about the record and because one of the reasons because he's so far away, and, and I think also because he doesn't. He doesn't know how long he's going to keep playing. He keeps talking about how he wants. To, he doesn't want to be just hanging around to, to break a record, you know, and score. You know, he, I think he still wants to be a pretty productive player where he's going to continue to play. So that is a, you know, I, I don't. I, it's hard to tell. I think if he got closer, he'd really want it. Um, I think it's something that he feels like he has a chance to catch now, where he didn't think that maybe two or three years ago. But you know, I, I don't know if it's something that's going to drive him to finish his career to keep going to just to get that record. Another topic of conversation with the Capitals is their goaltending. Tom, who's their number one goalie right now? Their number one goalie is still Braden Holpe. However, uh, as we saw a couple of years ago, we ended up seeing Philip Grobauer start uh, the playoffs as their goalie. Uh, I get you know, Ilya Samsonov is definitely uh, an option to possibly take that over as we as the season goes on. Uh, I thought Braden played very well last night in Montreal, so that was a good step for him. But you know, Ilya Samsonov has basically risen to every you know challenge they've given him. It's been still a limited schedule, but he he's done very well, and I think they're going to still give him some opportunity, give him some opportunities here as the rest of the season goes on. And you know, if he, they feel he's the best goalie, playing the best, I think going to the playoffs, I think there's a chance he could start game one of the playoffs. And, and that happened to Holtby the year they won the cup. Has that? Do you have a sense that that stayed with him? I mean, that's somewhat of a traumatic event for a goalie, right? To to play the whole year. It happened to Mark Andre Fleury twice. Um, you know, is that something that stayed with him? Is that something that's in the back of his mind? Is he looking now and looking at the other goalie and saying, "Oh man, I," either as a positive or a negative, right? Either as motivation or as almost fear to say, "I, I there's somebody that could take this job from me." I think he's more focused on like you know getting his play back to the level it needs to be at. He he actually you know he had a little bit of a you know a, a bump in in October and then he came back from that and played very well. And then maybe right before Christmas, it started again to, to drop off. And I think his concentration really has been on getting his game back the way it needs to play. He's the first one to tell you if he's not been playing well well enough. And and if and if you know Samsonov deserves to play more, that you know that'll be the case. But I think he wants to get his game to the best you know the top level it can be at, and then that'll take care of anything else. You know whether he's the starter in, in game one of the playoffs. Um, I, did it drive him in, in 2018 when he got the chance to get back in? I mean, it's hard to say. You know, obviously it had to. Have, you know, nobody wants to sit and watch while, while their team starts the playoffs. But he putting him back in was one of the one of the catalysts for them in that in that playoff series. They lost the first two games, and he came back in, and he was basically lights out the rest of the way. So, you know, he's a, he's a, obviously a motivated guy, and I, I see him wanting to you know get that opportunity to to finish off this year and, and another, get another chance at winning the Cup, and he wants to be the guy in that when that happens. Do, do you think that Samsonov, even if, you know, Holpe stays as the number one, has Samsonov done enough at this point that the Caps are ready after the season to move on with him as the number one? Because Holpe, as we know, is the end of his contract. Yeah, I think that they are 
gauging that daily, and I think the signs point towards that he could be their number one goalie next year, and that Braden Holtby could be somewhere else. I, I wouldn't say it's definite that Braden Holtby is, is not going to be here next year, but I think that you know if if some things happen and and they they'd have to figure out a way to resign him. You know, as Brian McClellan said, they'd have to be creative to figure out that a way to fit Braden Holtby into the cap after they resigned uh, signed Nicholas Backstrom a couple weeks ago. So, but I think that it's it's definitely trending towards the idea that that. Sam Sonoff will be their number one next year, and maybe he'll have to share it. They'll have to get another goalie and with some experience to share the net with him because he's still a young guy. But I think that that is what where it, it is headed. It's an awful small sample size for me, but I'm not the GM. But I want to ask you about a different GM, one that you know very well. Before you covered the Caps for us, you spent decades covering the New wow, Jersey. Wow, you're Devils. aging, Tom. Not to age you. Um, <laughs> I spent just I spent just as I'm long. Old. We broke in together, so I'm aging myself as well. But uh, you spent a lot of time with Lou Lamarillo, and, and I think he's probably one of the most interesting figures for the next month leading up to the deadline. He's got a good team. It's not a great team. It's been an average team since a very, very hot start. And what does he do? He needs a scorer, and will he go out and get one? He's he's very honest about his teams. Do you think he believes he can make a deep run? I think he th- he thinks the team needs something else, uh, needs a scorer. I think he, like you said, he's honest. And the other thing is that he has a track record of doing these things. He's been, even when he's had teams that were, you look like, oh, well, they don't may not need anything. He's done things and gotten and you know. And Alex McGillney, or he's got done things and he's gotten Ilya Kovalchuk. So that's who you should go get. Do it again. Yep. He, <laughs> I don't think Tom, that'll ever I, happen. I don't, know, I don't know that for sure. I'm, I'm not sure he's the right fit there, but yeah, I, I you know, they, he needs to do something. I think he knows that. He tried last summer to sign Panarin. I think he knows they need somebody dynamic offensively. I think he needs to show something to maybe to to change that team just a little bit. There, you know, it's hard to to play the way they played. They, I mean, they had a lot of success with it, but like to keep playing that way. And not, you know, you really have a thin margin of error. You need to get a little more offense there, and I think he knows that. I think he's known his team. Knows his team maybe has a little gotten a little stale at times this year, so they need something. You know, you also need to give it to your team, like tell your players and say, "Listen, I believe in you, but I'm going to give you something else." And that that can spark a team too. Like, hey, hey, listen, they went out and they got this guy to help us win. Let's let's get this done. That sort of thing. So I think I would I'd be surprised if he doesn't something to add to that team before the deadline you know it's interesting with the Kovalchuk thing Sean you just ruled it out right away because of the Lou Lamarillo Ilya Kovalchuk the devil's history there but the way he's playing in Montreal they need a scorer and they have guys who could set him up he seemed like the, what they would need right I mean isn't like that type of player whether it's Kovalchuk or, or somebody else just that type of player a history a guy who is a threat to score every time he's on the ice that's who they need. Wouldn't that be interesting, though? I mean, go out and get Kovalchuk if you're Lou. You could do it. He could do it. He's got the capital uh, one, to do one it. One thing I'll say about Lou is that he wouldn't. That his history with Ilya, like if you think it was negative or whatever you think it is, and I don't know if it was really, really as bad as. You know, I know Ilya left the Devils in a little bit of a lurch there, but I think he had a pretty good relationship with him. And even if he didn't, we've seen him get back, go back, go back and get guys with the Devils that were left on the worst terms possible. You know, like forcing trades and stuff like that, like. Claude Lemieux or, or Bobby Hulik, and they, he brought them back without a second. He thought he could help them win. So that's not the reason. I just I just don't know if he's the right fit for them. He's not the fleetest guy anymore. He there's there is I think there's a team a place for for Ilya where he could be successful. He's doing it with with the with the Montreal right now, but I'm not sure if the if the the Islanders are the right spot for him. But we'll see. Maybe maybe uh, Lou thinks that he is. You know who else would fit there, and it's never going to happen is Chris Kreider. No, he'll yeah, ne- no, exactly. that'll never happen. Yeah, yeah. No, I never. 
Even though they they just played three times, I cannot see the Rangers trading Chris Kreider or the Islanders. Even though, even if it means Kreider plays two months there and 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 that's the end of it and does and moves on from there, I I just can't see it. And you weaken the Islanders and strengthen yourself with well, the yeah, draft capital. With the draft capital, sure. Took uh, Lou leaving the Devils for the Devils and the Islanders to make I know. their first trade. Yeah. Well, the Devils and the Rangers to make it for their first trade a couple of years ago. So <laughs> I don't know if they would, it would go the other way. We'd see not. The Islanders and Rangers have actually made trades before, but I don't know if Lou is. I don't think Lou has ever made one with the Rangers. So yeah, I I just don't I don't see that one happen. What about the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom? We'll stick in the Metro. Dougie Hamilton's out. Justin Williams is back. I mean, they're right there. They're another team, sort of like in that mix, like the Islanders and the Blue Jackets and the Flyers that may need a push. Does, does Don Waddell push and go out and get a D to, to at least attempt to replace Dougie Hamilton, who I don't think he can fully replace uh, with, with a player available now? Yeah, I think he will do something to I think they were looking to add a forward earlier this year by trading in D, and now he's got to – I think he needs to add it to you know, find another defenseman because – you know, Dougie Hamilton was a big part of what they were doing there, and and he fit in well. And you know, everyone talked about whatever Dougie Hamilton didn't fit in Boston, in Boston, and didn't fit in in Calgary, maybe, but he fit very well in, in Carolina, and you know, he was a big part of that team. So they need to figure out something. I don't know if you can find, like you said, you can't find a replacement for Dougie Hamilton, but you know, as far as the guys do everything he did, but maybe they can find a some type of skilled defenseman out there to maybe really you know kind of solidify their top four again. The last one is in that division is. What do you see Jarmo doing in Columbus, right? They've, they've played so well. Just to get themselves back in the race, can they play 800% hockey? And if so, does he do something? Clearly he's not afraid. He, he mortgaged the future last year, so he's got some limited uh, trade chips. But does he invest in his team to try and make a run out of what's going to be a very crowded Eastern Conference playoff picture? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one too. And, and because of the moves they made last year, he's limited to what he's going to do. I can't see them trading a first-round pick again. But, you know, a guy you mentioned before who would fit great there, I think, and John Tortorella has coached him before, is, is Kreider. I think he would be really good there. Speed, scoring on the wing, that sort of thing. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I think I think Jarmo will make a move to, to upgrade that team as they continue to be in their, in their situation right now. But we're, I don't think we're going to see anything, in, you know, like as crazy as what they did last year with the, the guys they brought in with Duchesne and Zingle and, you know, you know they, had, they kept Panarin and, and Bobrovsky on the last year of their contracts to go for it. I, I think they need to be a little more conservative this year because of the pieces they gave up last year. Yeah, and uh, to me, Kreider's maybe the only guy on that trade board right now that would be a surefire first-round pick, so I don't know how he would do it unless he gave, yeah, up, exactly. unless he gave up something that was five stars out of, their, out of their prospect pool. But to me, there's not a ton of guys that would merit a first-round, surefire first-round pick, and Chris is the one that probably would. Yeah, he'd have to be, find some way to get that trade done without make, giving up a first-round pick. And like you said, they probably can get it somewhere else. All right, Tom. Well, we have kept you enough on a great Metropolitan, Ovi, Holtby, all the cap stuff talk. You probably have to go into the locker room now, don't you? Yes, in about about two minutes. The Capitals' uh, top six forwards just won some some drill they were doing and celebrated like they just won the seventh game of the Stanley Cup final. So <laughs> that's like practices that that's about to be over. That's uh, Ovi in a nutshell, there right? There you go. See, perfect timing. Yeah. That's what we're all about here. All right, Tom. Go ahead. Get to work. Thanks so much for joining all right. us, all right? Thank you. All right. See you guys. You can follow Tom on Twitter, at Tom Galitti NHL. And as we touched on before, Sean, the other goalie we have on the show, Freddie Anderson, He's going to be on next. Let's talk a little bit of Leafs here. You know, they got off to a good start in the post-All-Star break, 5-2 win against Nashville. 
Yeah, Austin Matthews, who missed the All-Star Games, back, played well. Uh, Sandine, the young defenseman, got his first goal. Uh, I, there's not a lot you can p- complain about that first game out, but the Leafs have to put some consistency together, especially they're out of the playoffs right now, and that's yeah. where nobody expected this to be. And, and they've been pretty much, what, a 500 team since they fired Mike Babcock. They, they got that initial boost, and it's kind of leveled off. They need to find their identity, and, and Freddie Anderson's going to be a huge part of that. A huge part of it. I mean, you got to expect Freddie Anderson's going to be playing the majority of the games here down the stretch. I mean, he played the majority of the games already this season, but there's really no – I mean, Michael Hutchinson's the backup right now. There, there's no cushion there for Freddie Anderson. No, he's playing 85% of the games minimum. Enough from us. Let's hear from the goaltender himself. Here's that interview with Freddie Anderson. Freddie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the Leafs at the break. Give me the assessment. I mean, it's been a up and down first half and some changes, obviously. What's your take on where you guys are at this point? Yeah, it's definitely been uh, been pretty turbulent, a lot of lot of ups and downs. Uh, we've had some really good stretches, uh, fell off a little bit at the end here before the break. But I think, uh, yeah, we hopefully use the break as a as a good little reset and and try to, yeah, come uh, come back rested and, and ready to go for the final stretch. Uh, we have some work to do in in the standings still. We're we're looking yeah pretty close to where we want to be. Where we want to be in the in the hunt for a playoff spot, and we want to keep uh, yeah keep chasing that uh, those points and make sure we get in. Speaking of the standings, is it is it frustrating at times when you do have those good runs you have? It seems like somebody else in your division is having a good run at the same time, and it's 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 hard to gain ground. It's been so competitive this year. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's why it's huge not to fall too far behind. I think uh, yeah, the the league is so uh, so competitive. Every team is good, and and it seems like our division is uh, it's a great division as well. So it's definitely it's important to keep up and make sure to. Uh, get right back at it if you if you lose a game or two, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, that's the grind of a long season. You uh, yeah, you fight for every uh, every inch. Stylistically, when you have a coaching change, a lot of times people will be like, "Well, the goalie's there; he just has to stop the puck." But it, if style changes, how does that impact a goaltender? And how is maybe a stylistic change from Mike Babcock to Sheldon Keefe, you know, changed how you have to play your position at all? If it does. Yeah, I mean, end, end of the day, it's uh, it's about stopping the puck, right? right. So that's uh, sometimes I don't I try not to look too much into that stuff, but I think um, just work work really closely with my with my goalie coach TV Pereira just to prepare me for what what chances I might see, and and um, and that's really it's been been his philosophy the the entire four years I've been with him in Toronto. So not too much has been changed there, and. Uh, Again, that that's been my focus and trying to trying to work hard every day and make sure that I feel on top of my game and, and trying to yeah give uh, give the team the best chance of uh, yeah for win. That's uh, that's really my job. The Leafs coming out of the break as we've talked about. What's the one or two things that you guys absolutely have to focus on? What is it about the Leafs game right now that has to be a focus? Well, I think we just got to keep. Yeah, keep working and getting better at um, at some new systems, and I think uh, again that we have been with Sheldon for a while now, but it doesn't doesn't mean everything's going to come and be perfect after two months. And I think we just got to continue to to improve on what we what we work on within, and and that's uh, that's going to set ourselves up to yeah to win more games and 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 make sure we get enough points to get in the playoffs. So there's Freddie Anderson, and it is an interesting time here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The trade deadline approaching. It's coming into focus throughout the league. What do they do? Uh, Morgan Riley's out. He will be back before the end of the year. I still think they need a D. They need some sandpaper in their lineup, don't they? 
when isn't an interesting time in Toronto first? No, of all. it's always an interesting time. But this is time. way yeah, more right. interesting because they're on the precipice of being in the playoffs and, and they're flirting with it right now. And after clearing that hurdle and becoming playoff participants for several years, it'd be a huge step back if they weren't able to do it, especially after the early moves they made, changing coaches and, and everything else that they've done, promoting a lot of their youth. Um, so this is kind of a referendum, I think, for them. Yeah, so it's interesting. Jake Muzzin came out Monday and said that he wants to stay with the Leafs. He's one of their three pending unrestricted free agent defensemen, along with Tyson Barry and Cody CC. and I, I think they should sign Muzzin be honest with you I think they should it's a reasonable deal and I think they should re-sign him he's got a little bite to his game he's got experience he's won the Stanley Cup with the Los Angeles Kings I wonder if it's move on from Tyson Barry at the end of the season I don't see them trading him maybe move on with especially with the emergence of Rasmus Sandin but but like I said I, they need some bite in their lineup I, I, I think it's a very important thing and that's why I look on the back end especially with Riley out yeah, a guy like Brendan Dillon, you know, could, could they're in it. Look, Toronto's in a, in a cap situation that's not great, so they're going to need to add a sweetener to any trade in order to get a guy to come in and have the team that they're getting from eat some of that salary cap. But Brendan Dillon, uh, Sammy Vatanen is another one from the New Jersey Devils. And the one thing that Toronto has is an abundance of forwards. Yeah, and look, there's been talk out of Toronto that, you know, maybe William Nylander's on the table. I personally, I think that's crazy talk, uh, but you would certainly get a good player back coming the other way. I, I, I think, you know, it's more capping perhaps. Yeah. But look, I, I think Brendan Dillon would be perfect there. I don't know if they can make the money work. I, he's He's been through some Western Conference playoff wars. He's that perfect kind of defenseman. I think that they need to sign two of those defensemen, though, that you talked about because Everybody else is still so young. Like, if you're going to be a true playoff team, how do you go to war with four under 25 guys? Yeah. I don't know that you can do it. So, they, I think they got to bring back, like you talked about, Muzzin and then make a decision between CC and Barry and, and maybe Barry's excess because if, if Sandine is the player everybody thinks he is and he, he moves along his progression that fast, you start to have duplicate yeah. players. Right. And I think Barry's going to cost more, too. Well, of course, he's the other ones on. Oh well, oh, I thought you meant yeah. that Sandine no, still on just, his entry level. He'll contract. cost more than CC, is my guess. So that's another reason you're probably going to have to move on from Tyson Barry if you want to keep to my guess is like you said, Muzzin and CC. Let's move back out west, though. Like we said, we cover a lot of the west in this podcast. Interesting story coming out of the San Jose Mercury News for the San Jose Sharks: Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe not concerned about the trade deadline or being moved. What kind of times are we in that the San Jose Sharks are potentially looking at trading Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe? I don't know that they're looking at it. I don't know what kind of market there is for it. And and, and Joe pretty much has his say on what yeah, he wants to do. No I move. would assume to a lesser degree because they just brought him back in that Patrick has a say in what he wants to do. But don't you have to think about it? If you can get anything for these guys, don't you have to think about it? With, with the state they're in right now, they're not going to help you anymore they're, well they're done not not, not done done, not done but they're done in the fact that the san jose sharks unless they put together seven wins over their next seven games are pretty much saying goodbye to this season and i don't think either one of them helps you next year when you're rebuilding coming off of missing a playoff that window's closed see a couple of things with this one i think those two guys in that room for the young players matter 
and I think it would it would hurt that room. Now they're not. I don't think they're going anywhere this season, but I think it would hurt that room. Uh, you know, currency with the team that you've been with for a long time. And I know Marlowe left for a little bit, but it, you know they brought him back. I think that matters too. And if I'm a team looking to acquire one of those, maybe Marlowe. But I think Thornton has such a big personality that if you're a contending team right now and you like your chemistry, but you're just trying to maybe just augment a little bit just add a little little pop here and there i wonder about adding joe thornton not because of the player he is or his age or just, he comes in with a big personality and he will everybody will be talking to him and about him and i wonder that what that could do to the team well you know who has a big personality brett hall yeah you know who went to the detroit red rings and played a a, a Support role and won a but cup. But how many Brett Hall. big personalities were on that team already, though? I mean, so it's traded to a team that has big personalities, a room that can police it. The Pittsburgh Penguins could handle it, right? So, but here's the other thing: isn't it time to turn over that room, that voice in the San Jose room? I think they, it is. They were considered. The they were considered a favorite. And they're down by the basement. And you can blame. Oh, it's you can blame not Jones. Joe Thornton's fault. You though. can blame Martin Jones all you want. You can blame Aaron Dell all you want. There's 23 guys in that room, and nobody was able to figure it out. I think it may be time to to have a new voice step up and say, "This is the way the San Jose Sharks are going." So, and and you don't think that Joe Thornton, who's never won a cup, wouldn't want to maybe think about embracing an opportunity to pull a Ray Bork and say, I'm going to go someplace and I'm going to try and win a cup before I'm done with all this? I couldn't tell you. Maybe maybe he would. I, I just, if I'm Doug Wilson, I, I just don't think I'd do it. And, and like you said at the top, Joe Thornton, has he's got the hammer. I mean, he's got the no-move clause in his contract. Marlowe doesn't, uh, which makes it interesting there. But uh, this is the time we're in right now. Right, John? I For mean, the next three weeks, and it's going to be awesome. Three-plus weeks. Let's, let's not shortchange the last week leading up to the trade deadline, right? It's awesome. I love yeah. this time. Although it's silly at times, but out of silliness comes seriousness. Yeah. I am full of philosophy You today. really are. I'm, and I'm flying. We're done with your philosophy today. And this podcast, we're done with it as well. Thank you very much for listening. As always, rate and review. Sean, it was a lot of fun. Always is. Until next week, enjoy the games. <laughs>